Okay, sorry about that. So the questions are going to get harder, and I'm going to put up on the screen some sequences, and I wonder if you can guess what the sequences are. So Stuart, can we have the first one, please? If you look at this picture here, I know. What are the missing words? And Layla, I know you probably know, but I'm just going to give other people a chance too. So Judas said the first missing one is Grandpa Shark. Now, who's smart to know what the last category is? Scarlet? Not Runaway? No. Oh, I thought they'd know. I think, Vicky, you might have to help us here. No. Let's go hunt. Let's go hunt. Okay, right. It's going to get harder. Stuart, what's the next one? Okay, if you're good at counting or numbers, you might like this one. This is a hard one for kids. You might get the one in a minute. What's the next number in the sequence? Lindsay. Because? Yeah. One times one is one. Two times two is four. Three times three is nine. Up to eight eights are 64. Fantastic. Okay, what's the next one? You nerds out here might get this one. Can you read that? Very close to the return of the king. Fantastic. Well, well done. Uh, the return. These are all films in the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings series. So you've got the Fellowship of the Ring, the Twin Towers, and the Return of the King. Okay. David Horton. Violet. Why, David? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo. And Violet. Richard of York gave battle in vain. Okay. Next, please. Ooh, for you biblical scholars amongst you. Ooh. I'm counting on you, the Tonkins. No. No, we've had locusts. No. You can get your vibes out if you want to. Boils. Well done. These are the first of the six plagues that um, the Lord brought on the, the Egyptians. So it was boils next. Okay. Kids, you can go now. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have one hard one for the adults though. So Stuart, let's have this one. Okay, I hope you can see that. If you can get this, you're really smart. Thank you. I'll give you a few seconds to have a look at that. Okay, yeah, you've got the days of the week. You're all looking perplexed. We'll come back to that later. Okay, thanks, Stuart. We're in transition, aren't we? As a group of God's followers, we're in a period of transition and we haven't got a pastor. So what does that mean for us as a group of God's family? Last week, some of us who were here, we had a lot of fun together. I don't know, for those of you who weren't here last week, after our worship time together, we had uh, coffee and, I don't know what you call it, it was an exercise that 
coffee and cake, yeah, lots of cake. And then we got to know more about each other through revealing secrets that no one else knew about us. And I actually found out things about people on my table that made me realize that we're a lot more diverse as a group of people here than we think. It's very surprising, very shocking for some of it. But I, I, during the week, I found myself asking this question. I don't know if you do this. I found myself asking, God, we're all so different. We're all so varied in our backgrounds, in our ages, where we've come from, our life's experiences, our hopes, our dreams, our goals, our careers, our contacts. Why, God, why have you brought this disparate group of people together now here? Do you ever ask yourself that question? It's a good question to ask. I think it's good to pause and reflect on that. If we believe that God is present, that God is engaged with his world, if God is using this world to bring glory to himself and using his people to do that, why is it that we, as a group of his children, are here now? We're going to look at that a little bit further. You may have heard this term, a full-time Christian worker. Has anyone ever come across that? A full-time Christian worker. Phil was a full-time Christian worker. I used to be a full-time Christian worker. Ian used to be a full-time Christian worker. It's someone who's paid to be holy. (laughs) I think that is a misnomer. I think that's not true. Well, it's kind of true. People do get paid to do specific jobs within the church. But I would rather think of it like this. And this applies whether you're a student or whether you're retired. But we are all full-time Christian workers. I don't think there's a difference. Because so long as we are following God, there is work to do in his vineyard. There is work to do. We're encouraged to do good works, aren't we? And so we're all full-time and not part-time. And I want to look at a model that Jesus used. I hope it encourages us this morning to think about what that looks like being a follower of Jesus, an active follower of Jesus, a passionate follower of Jesus, an apprentice follower of Jesus in our lives. So if we look at the Gospels, um, Jesus collected his disciples together. He spent, obviously spent time calling them, gathering them together, living with them, teaching them, eating with them, um, talking with them, demonstrating his ways to them. And they observed and experienced life in close proximity to their master. And in Luke chapter after they'd spent time with him, months, probably years at this stage, it would be years, Jesus says, he does something with them. They've seen all of this, and they've walked with him, and they've seen his miracles, they've heard his teaching. And at this stage, he calls his disciples, his close 12 disciples to him, Luke chapter 9, verse 1, and it says, Jesus calls the 12 disciples together, 
And he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And they were to go and tell everyone about the kingdom of God. And this was the good news that they were going to share. That God could restore their lives back to how they should be. And in verse 10, after they'd been out to the towns and the byways, they returned, it says, verse 10, and they told Jesus everything that they had done. And then he planned to slip away with them. They'd been very active doing these things under his instruction. They come together, they tell stories, and he decides to take them away. Unfortunately, there's a great multitude that were there still. And the rest of the story says how it was lunch or tea time, and all these crowds were still there. There was no food. And the disciples come to him and said, look, send them away. Send them home. And Jesus says, well, actually, what did he say to them? You feed them. Now, I don't know if, how you'd feel about that, but if you've got a multitude of people around and there's only five loaves and two fish, how you'd feel about that? But Jesus said, you feed them. But what could they do? So they bring what they have and give it to Jesus and he multiplies and feeds them. I think Jesus, in this circumstance, even though he wanted to get them away to talk to them about their experience of going out and about under his instruction, he wanted to show them something. And I think that was, even though they'd worked miracles while they'd been out in the the towns around where they'd been, and they came back so excited and full of, full of God, that Jesus still wanted to point them back to himself as the source of where that came from. So they they realized that they still had to come back to Jesus. So that's the 12 disciples. And a little later on, in chapter 10, Jesus then calls his group together and he sends out 72. So we look at that in chapter 10. He then sends out 72 disciples in pairs and he says, the harvest is great, but there are very few workers to gather it and he advises them to go into towns and if they they are welcomed by peaceful people that they should stay and dwell there and receive a blessing from them and receive the welcome and dwell in that town and and tell that, that town about the good news and if they didn't receive them they were to shake the dust off their feet and leave them to their own devices because they weren't happy to receive that message It then says, when they returned, they joyfully reported back to Jesus what had happened. So in both these cases, Jesus disperses his disciples, his followers, and then they come back together to share stories of what God has done through their work. If you flip into Matthew 28, a very famous passage, Matthew 28, Jesus has been resurrected and He then has the disciples around him on a mountain just outside of Galilee. And it says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, and I love this bit, they worshipped him, and some doubted. I put myself in that camp. I worship God, but there are times when I doubt. And I think if we're brutally honest, we're all in that boat. We worship God, but there are times where we we doubt some aspects of our faith or who Jesus is. But Jesus still called them. And he then says in verse 18, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and therefore go, disperse, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, again, disperses his disciples into kingdom activity, and then he leads them. He doesn't gather them back because he's gone. But he does leave them a promise that the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God, would be with them. And he told them to go and wait. We read in Acts until the spirit comes. And then the church is formed. And what happens? The church then starts to gather together. And even though Jesus in person isn't with them to share stories, Jesus is in them by his spirit. And they remember Jesus in the breaking of bread. They remember Jesus in speaking to him in prayer, in studying the scriptures and sharing everything together. Jesus disperses his disciples and then he gathers them back again. Can we have that slide up again, Stuart? So, any thoughts on this slide? Yeah, yeah. We're in a similar pattern, aren't we? God in his wisdom has designed it and instructed his church to come together, to be together. There's something good about being together to worship Jesus together. I liken it to a barbecue or a fire of coals where they heat each other up and you know they all get red hot and they kind of sustain the heat and then one coal pops out and it maintains its heat for a little while and then gradually it loses its heat and becomes cold again. But if you pick that coal up and put it back into the, the fire, what happens? It warms up again. I think this is why God has said we should meet together as a community, is that we come together and there's something about our shared experience of God that energizes us, that encourages us, that actually just keeps us going sometimes. So that when we are then dispersed, we have energy and hope and power and authority from God to be active where we disperse. And that could be anywhere. Stuart, can you put the next slide up? So just to zoom in on Sunday and Monday, if you look at Sunday, there's, there's a lot of church thinking about how churches grow. And both are good. There is real value in gathering together. This is really good for us as a community, but it's also good for the world to see, as someone, I think it's Lindsay said, by your, your love for one another, they'll know you're my disciples when we pray. There's something good about our witness together. But equally so, there's something powerful about how we, we work in the kingdom of God when we are dispersed on a Monday. You can probably see from this diagram on the left that actually when we're all tightly together, our sphere of influence those people that we can affect is less than when we're dispersed and we all have a little circle or sphere of influence around our family, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, where we live, where we work, where we play. That's suddenly we're impacting by our lives live with God to a greater audience. And this is why I think it's important 
when Jesus sends out his disciples, he's doing it because they will have more influence to more people. I look at us and I see a diverse, quirky, cherished, beautiful, eclectic mix of people that God has drawn into his family. And I wonder what our influence is as we live our lives out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. A friend of mine, he wrote a song for children. He says, how much of me does God want? God wants all of me. Jesus gave up everything so we could be so. He doesn't just want Sunday and only what I say. He wants my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And he wants everything. And if we give God everything, he honors us in our sacrifice. And I know that amongst us we've got retirees, fishermen, Teachers, students, carers, businessmen, even accountants. And God loves that we are in contact with all these people during the week. We are sometimes the only Jesus that people see. And just like Hannah in your story is available and listens to God and responds to God, we can be agents for the kingdom as we represent Jesus and love Jesus. Sometimes this can feel burdensome because we're doing it out of a working ethic that we, we've got to do this because this is what Christians do, do. But how much more refreshing when we love Jesus. When we love what he's about. When we love the world in the same way that he loves the world. That's, that's the simplicity of the gospel. Is that as we live out this new life in Christ, we can share that good news with other people around us. We all start to fit into this beautiful tapestry, this wonderful jigsaw that God has that is the kingdom of God. And that is why I think God has us where we are now. There's a beautiful verse in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 7 You might want to close your eyes and listen to this. I don't know. I'll read it. So now, God has us where he wants us. And this is beautiful. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. That's good, isn't it? Takes a burden off of us. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. And this is right. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. Maybe that's why Jesus challenged the disciples to feed them so that they realized they couldn't without him being able to do it because it's God that does it. No, we neither make or we save ourselves. God does both the making and saving, and he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work that we had better be doing.
Work has many connotations, doesn't it? Usually for me, work is a pain. But there are times when some work is good. Ian, would you start handing out one of those? Lindsay, would you do the same with those? Just one, one each. So the question then becomes, where do I fit in? And as a prompt for us this week, I'm giving you a piece of a jigsaw. Thank you, Stuart. A piece of a jigsaw, because we are part of something far greater. The temptation sometimes is to think we are the center of everything, but actually, that's not true. We're just a very small part in this beautiful picture that God is putting together. And he uses individual people, individual pieces to form this jigsaw. And if you look at your piece of jigsaw, there are little holes that people can connect to you, and there are little tabs that you can connect to other people. And during the course of the Monday through Saturday, you are connecting all through the week as an ambassador of Jesus himself. And so what I'd love you to do, and it's up to you whether you do it or not, I put some blue tack on the, the back of these because if you can put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day, might be when you brush your teeth, might be on your steering wheel of your car, it might be in your wallet when you're paying all those bills, it might be on the, as you exit your door, every time you open your front door, you realize that I'm a piece in this bigger picture of the kingdom. And as you leave your house, you realize that you're an ambassador for Jesus. And every time you do it, I'm going to encourage you to pray in two ways. One, to give thanks that God has us right where we are. It might not make sense at the moment. As we go through troubles and strife and trials, it might not make sense, but God has us right where he wants us and give thanks to God that this is where I am. It's good to thank God. And then ask yourself, God, where do I fit in today? Who, who am I going to speak to today in the normal course of my life? Is it going to be on the internet? Is it going to be in the office? Is it going to be in my street, in my cul-de-sac? Is it going to be at the school gates? Is it going to be my grandchild? Is it going to be my parent, my sibling? Where am I connecting and who am I connecting with? So we'll be dispersed. But next week, maybe as we gather together, like the disciples, we'll share more stories of how the kingdom of God has come about because of where we've been this week. So hold your, your puzzle and let's pray. Let's pray together.